Family, friends, comrades, and fellow travelers, I'm the Stormy Poet, and welcome to this edition of the Poetic Justice Podcast, where we utilize the power of literature to both combat and defeat injustice. Now, the prologue for today's episode will be a bit lengthy, but I felt it necessary for the family to hear it so all of you can get an accurate depiction as to what kind of woman Dr. Frances Cress Welsing really was, before I dispel any false accusations that have been made about her recently. She's done lately to erase and eradicate racism and to improve the situation. How do you feel about what she's saying? I don't care for it at all. (laughs) I want to just say that I feel I am a racist, but every black that calls whitey a whitey is also a racist. And I... Wait a minute. Let me me answer that. You see, within a family, people might call each other names. But when we come to the white people on the planet, the majority having organized themselves to for white genetic survival, then when a white person can determine what is going to happen to a person of color, that is a difference because then we're talking about a system of power that can say you can or you can't or if I like I want to go back to Germany because people do a lot of talking about the Holocaust when the Semites were told put on this yellow star because you're not white and you can't go to the university and you have to live in the ghetto and you are going to be removed from your homes that is power it's not just a question of somebody saying I don't like John I don't like Betty when you have the power to make it impossible for people to live a constructive existence then that's the difference what we're trying to figure out is why we want that power to do that to another person in the first place and you're saying white people do it to people of color the first amendment which allows freedom of speech if one believes that is not the right answer then one has to be one of the most anti-german racists that can be if one believes that the german people would have tolerated the concentration camps and the gas chambers if news media like uh, the programs that Mr. Brown is setting on, if those people were willing to bring uh, discordant views out into the open, I don't believe the concentration camps and the gas chambers could have continued to exist in Germany. I'd like to comment because I'd like to say that I don't think that there's a major difference between what Dr. Shockley is doing. I don't think that Dr. Shockley is fully aware of what he is doing and why he is doing what he's doing. But the long-range implications of what he is doing are no different than the propaganda campaign that Hitler and his Nazi unit carried on in Germany that ended up eliminating uh, six million Jewish people. Now, what is most interesting is that Hitler said the very same thing. He said, number one, that the Jews were genetically inferior to the Aryans. Number two, he was aware that the Semites had genetically dominant material Uh, genetic material to the Aryans and if we begin to understand the way that people who were in Europe at the time that the Semites arrived from Africa when the Semites arrived in Europe from Africa they were people who had substantial amounts of color and who had very kinky hair because they were from the continent of Africa and the Europeans the white people who were there had a reaction a color reaction to the Semites that is no different than the reaction and the concern on the part of people who are white in this area of the world or any other area of the world to people who are who have the genetic capacity to produce color who can genetically annihilate their position and i think it's very very important even though dr shockley i am convinced that dr shockley believes that he is uh, perhaps elevating science with all of his charts and all of his figures but he doesn't understand the things that propel him 
as a white individual in a social system that has programmed him throughout his life and programmed large numbers of people like him to focus on the genetics of people of color in such a way as to destroy people of color. Saying that we are going to end the endangerment of black people by ending the endangerment of black males through our understanding. And since the war is on, I'm saying this, that we have to get into quality control, black child production and development. Quality control, black child production and development. Now somebody will say, well, what is responsible for the Japanese economic miracle? The one thing that the Japanese themselves credit with their recent economic miracle is that a man named Deming, and he did happen to be white, he had an idea about quality control. Don't make just any old product. Determine that it is going to always be of high quality. So the people over here, the industrialists over here, didn't like the idea, didn't want to go for it. The Japanese-speaking non-white people said, well, we're going to get into quality control. Explain that to us. And so they got into the business of turning out everything that they turned out was first rate. Now, we don't have industrial factories right now, but we do have genitals and we do produce children. Now, what if we said every child that we produce is going to develop to the highest quality? They're gonna be second to none on this planet. We're not gonna have any black male children in prison. We're only gonna have them in colleges and universities, making this entire planet a better place to live. So what do we have to do to bring about quality control? Everybody go home and in the quiet of your bathroom or bedroom, you take all your clothes off and you look in that mirror. And you look at your genitals, meaning your reproduction unit. Now you look at that and you say, now I am only going to use this for quality control production. Because what are we being told now? Oh, the little babies with AIDS are just draining the budget, and so the city can't pay for housing because it has to pay for all the AIDS babies. Oh, all the little crack babies whose parents can't take care of them, and all the little teenagers who are, and we don't have enough people to take care of them, and everybody should just get busy taking care of all the little crack babies and the little AIDS babies and all the little foster babies. Cut that out. That is not quality control. Now, I'm not saying anybody is bad because white supremacy produces sex obsession. Did you hear what I said? White supremacy produces sex obsession. Sex obsession develops when children do not get enough lap time. 
That means time as little babies and little children to sit calmly on mother's lap and have mother and Dr. Ackland Lynch was talking about father singing as mother's holding. If little children don't get that time where people are patiently holding them and comforting them, not get off my lap, boy, you too big, he's three. Girl, get down, stop bothering me, she's two. No, that's the confusion and the chaos that has been brought about under white supremacy. Okay, family, now that you've heard her for yourselves, I want you to take a good listen to this individual. Have you ever wondered why so many pro-black, black men are anti-feminism and homophobic? Unfortunately, it may be because of this black woman, Frances Cress Welsing. She wrote the ISIS papers as an attempt to try to find what the root of white supremacy is, why it exists. And in her understanding, she determined that the cause of supremacy is to prevent the annihilation of the race. Now you may be wondering, what does this have to do with anti-feminism and homophobia? Well, she thought that black men were the main target of white supremacy because black men have the ability to annihilate the race through procreation. From that conclusion, she drew another conclusion that feminism is a supremacist ploy to get black women to economically advance so far that they no longer needed black men and that the black family unit would be destroyed and then there would be no procreation of black people. Which when you think about it is really sad because it reduces women to their role as an incubator for the next generation. But black women weren't the only marginalized group within the black community that she had a problem with. She also thought that homosexuality was a agenda to prevent the procreation of black people through emasculating the strong black man. In reality, the construction of cis-heteropatriarchal gender roles and therefore cis-heteropatriarchal sexuality is a product of white supremacy, making her an agent of white supremacy through her anti-feminist rhetoric and her homophobia. If any of this sounds familiar, there's a reason for it. Pan-Africanist black men don't want liberation for all black people. They want to be on top in a hierarchy of black supremacy that centers black men. Black, cis, heteropatriarchal values are just repackaged white supremacy. One thing I can say when it comes to the white, Latino, Asian, Native American, and even the Jewish community is that they don't ever allow anyone to disrespect their icons. When it comes to the people who have put in the work to advance or properly represent them culturally, socially, and politically, when they've done so to represent their interests well, they never allow anyone to fix their mouths to speak ill against them, even if that icon isn't of the best moral character. 
For example, the white community doesn't ever go in on Elvis, nor would they give anyone a platform to do so, even though he was a serial rapist of underage girls or for marrying his underage girlfriend. David Bowie frequently kept the company of underage girls, and that ugly fact wasn't harped on by white society to any immeasurable degree when he died. However, when Kobe Bryant and his daughter tragically lost their lives in a helicopter crash, you had people in the white community like Washington Post reporter Felicia Sonmez posting tweets about the rape case he was involved in way back, and this was less than 24 hours after the crash. That case was way back in 2003. The bodies weren't even cold yet before she posted a piece about a case from 18 years ago to demonize Kobe. His family hadn't even got the chance to mourn his death or that of his daughter yet. Never mind the fact that he was found innocent in the court of law and that the woman that accused him was found to have the DNA from semen of multiple men in her underwear, but I digress. It just goes to show it's never too soon when it comes to attacking the character of a black man. They don't allow the disrespect of their icons even when it comes from members of their own group and they sure as hell don't allow it to come from black people. When it comes to the black community, particularly those who descend from the American slaves, we actually have icons that are of the highest moral caliber. We have real American heroes and heroines who've dedicated and in some cases sacrificed their lives and the lives of their family in the name of progressing the black collective. There is no equivalent in any other ethnic group to a Martin Luther King, an Ida B. Wells, a Fred Hampton, a Harriet Tubman, a Malcolm X, or a Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. Therefore, we're the group who should have the absolute least tolerance for those who speak ill against our icons, who had the courage, compassion, and human decency to stand up to the most evil, destructive, and deadly regime in human history. I believe it was Dr. John Henry Clark who said, quote, A people who do not protect their advocates is a group who will have no advocates. While we've certainly done better over the years of calling this kind of crap out, there's not nearly the kind of on-code, groundswell, collective condemnation there needs to be for situations like this. If there are potential political, cultural, and social advocates out there considering putting it all on the line in the name of black empowerment, and there definitely are, if there are potential political, cultural, and social advocates out there considering putting it all on the line in the name of black empowerment, and there definitely are, and if they see black freedom fighters like a Dr. Wilson being attacked and the very people they're advocating for not standing up for them, what then would be the incentive for them to take that kind of risk? Well, I sure as heck won't stand for it, and neither should you, family. When someone disrespects our icons, we need to teach the world there's a price to pay for that. A very high price. And speaking of which, there's been this video floating around X.com where this disrespectful little brat, who's obviously a black feminist, blatantly mischaracterizes Dr. Wilson's legacy as one that, quote, helps black men become more homophobic and more misogynistic against black women. Now, I'd never heard of this person until a few days ago, so I don't know who they are. But at the same time, I know exactly who this person is because her rhetoric is very recognizable. You know, what she said about Dr. Welsing was so illogically asinine and dishonest. It reminded me of that title of that BS Root article I saw some years ago that I and other black people were climbing the hell out of. I mean, the leaps of logic and reaching this little brat was doing immediately brought back memories of the countless memes I saw mocking the crap out of it. Brat was doing immediately brought back memories of the countless memes I saw mocking the crap out of it. Straight black men are the white people of black people. How sick and deranged do you have to be to compare black men to the group who's literally been on a centuries-long campaign of empire building by any and every means necessary, including unadulterated and unconscionable violence and murder? There is no equivalent of black men carrying out a holocaust, although we were subject to the American holocaust, which lasted over 200 years. In America, there has never been the black male equivalent of a lynch mob. 
Furthermore, where are the pictures of black men posing and smiling in front of the lynched black women? I'll wait. And as for that condescending, do you wonder why so many black men are homophobic comment this person made? Do you ever notice those who cast that false aspersion on the black community never provide any documentation to substantiate it? The most you'll have is a handful of accounts from a few black members of the LGBT community that they got clowned at a barbershop because they walked in wearing some kind of flamboyant outfit or that they got made fun of in school or something. Look, when it comes to black people here in America, the dozens are a part of our culture. All of us are subjected to it, no matter your sex, your sexual orientation, background, or whatever. We all got snapped on and roasted, but it's out of love at the end of the day. It's how we subconsciously challenge each other to become woodier and think fast on our toes. If you can't learn to think on your feet as a black person in this society, it's going to eat you alive. It's black American culture for us to check one another and make sure we're on top of our game. It has nothing to do with, quote, persecuting someone because they're gay. Black men don't give a damn about someone's sexual orientation. We're too darn busy trying to survive this thing called white supremacy, if you haven't noticed. Furthermore, we can't discriminate or persecute homosexuals because in most cases, it's impossible to know someone's sexual orientation unless they're out in the open with it. We can't be homophobic because we're not going around asking everyone their orientation. Furthermore, what kind of socio-political systems have black men created to dominate and mistreat people in the LGBT community? I can most certainly show you where white men and white women have created them for black members of the LGBT community, and I can show you instances where white members of the LGBT community don't fight against them and where they actually have been orchestrators of it. If a brother or sister is gay, then cool. Black men are not only bothered by it, but they don't give it a second thought. What we do have a problem with is when black members of the LGBT community come around us spouting talking points given to them by the white power structure, talking points designed to work against our well-being and best interests. White supremacy for centuries has demonized and vilified black men as just these big dumb brutes whose sole purpose in life is to go around terrorizing the community and to pillage and plunder as much as possible, which is simply a projection by the dominant society that they put on us. This in turn justifies any harm done to us because it conditions the public to think that we're less than human. So yeah, when certain people from the LGBT community come around us using language that feeds into that narrative, you know, like the term black male privilege, you're for damn sure we're going to have a problem with that. We do not have a problem with homosexuality. We do have a problem with unsubstantiated racist narratives, though. Now, where in any of those clips you heard from Dr. Wilson herself did she once, quote, reduce black women to the level of incubators? And notice she didn't quote any part of the ISIS papers to support that claim. And it's for the very simple reason that she couldn't. And she couldn't because Dr. Wilson never insinuated that notion. And it's because she hasn't read the book in its entirety. Accusing someone of promoting white supremacy by, quote, promoting black male patriarchy is straight up slander. To make such a serious accusation that someone is promoting racism, someone who devoted their very being to fighting it, is not only an attempt to assassinate someone's character, but it's a trait of someone who is mentally sick and severely out of touch with reality. That'd be the equivalent of me saying that Albert Einstein was a supporter of Adolf Hitler just because he used to live in Germany at one point. That's how ridiculous what she's saying sounds. Yeah, he and his Jewish family living there and participating in the German society socioeconomically helped spur the Holocaust. That's how much of a Stretch Armstrong-esque reach they're doing here. And this despicable individual knows this. The only reason she's spouting this anti-black feminist word salad is because she knows Dr. Frances Quest Welsing is no longer alive to defend herself. May she rest in power. 
It's the same thing closeted bigot Tim Wise did when Dr. Wilson detailed how white supremacy weaponizes sex against the black family unit by referring to it as, quote, pseudoscientific BS. Now, he didn't use the acronym, but I try to keep it clean for the kiddies on this platform. He didn't try to have a sit down with her and have a respectful discussion on how she came to that conclusion. He didn't quote anything that she said to give credit to that accusation. He just flat out discredited her work with absolutely no evidence whatsoever, just like this bitter bimbo. Yvette Carnell, who is supposedly an independent journalist dedicated to pro-black media, did the same thing when Dr. Wilson passed. She's LGBT, by the way. And when it was really time to hold then-presidential candidate Marion Wilson's feet to the fire on whether or not she genuinely supported reparations for the descendants of slaves, she had more smoke for Dr. Wilson than she did for her. I can spot a member of that whole liberal heartbeat crowd coming from 100 miles away. They all talk the same. Like I said, I don't know who this TikToker is, but at the same time, I know exactly who they are. I've seen her a million times. I can identify them just like I can identify some right-ringer MAGA supporter. They're all alike. They have absolutely no problem talking about how bad systematic racism is. They can eloquently articulate its history, the detrimental effects it has on the black community, and how society needs to fundamentally change to address it. Hell, there are even white ones like Jane Elliott, Tim Wise, and Robin D'Angelo who can speak on racism more thoroughly and in-depth than most black people can. Neely Fuller Jr. talked about that. He said that Tim Wise could talk about racism better than Malcolm X could, and he's right. They're, quote, down for the cause, right up until you actually begin discussing the concrete, specific strategies, lifestyle practices, and policies necessary to end white privilege, and to specifically empower black people in the areas in which they've been specifically harmed by it. It's then that their real intentions reveal themselves, and it's then you'll learn that dismantling anti-black white supremacy isn't their top priority. And in many cases, their true intention is to actually keep the white status quo in place. Keep in mind, people, it's folks like Tim Wise, Robin D'Angelo, and Jane Elliott who make profits off their little speaking engagements that they do at these college campuses and companies about the need for diversity and inclusion. And they make money off the books they sell that are about how bad racism is. That's literally profiting from black pain and suffering. If white supremacy fell tomorrow, what would they write and give lectures about at these college campuses and companies? If the Democrats couldn't come to black people every two and four years to tell them how bad racism is and how there are so many disparages and so much disenfranchisement in communities of color and that the mean old racist Republicans are going to get in office if you don't vote, blah, blah, blah. If black people already have received proper redress for systemic racism and if it had been abolished, what then would be their incentive for black people to vote for the left? So when it comes to these groups and movements you typically find tied in with the left, they have zero problem with calling out white supremacy by name, nor with butting up with black people, just as long as those black people they're piling up with do not demand they commit to actions that will disrupt the white status quo. But those black people do, however, have to support their movement to the fullest. Now, they don't put any skin in the game for your cause, but they'll damn sure expect you to be ten toes down for theirs. So when it comes to the feminist movement, which is really just about white women receiving a bigger piece of the lion's share when it comes to what their white male counterparts have stolen from us, or the LGBT agenda, which has done nothing to address the rampant racism that is festered in their own community, or these other non-white groups when it comes time to discuss immigrant issues and resources their communities, they have absolutely no problem being in the midst of black people, just as long as they remain useful toward furthering their own agendas. And for some black people, like the disgusting piece of filth who made this video, and I say black loosely, that's enough for them. When it comes to just simply being in the same circles as white people and non-black people, for them there is no greater honors or satisfaction. 
And in order to keep having regular access to white people and non-black people, they have no problem parroting their talking points. In their minds, doing so is what assures those non-black people that they're piling up with that they're a safe Negro. And that brings me back to this racist and blackface, or mutilated blackface, I should say. I'm sorry, but when someone has two huge chunks of metal sticking out of their face like that, I mean, it does give you some insight as to the status of this person's mental state. But I guess that's just me conforming to a social norm, right? When you have someone willing to make such desperate and pathetic reaches and leaps of logic, to use a woman who risked her very career and safety to educate and make black people aware of the many pitfalls and booby traps and dead ends set up for them in society, you're dealing with someone who has utter contempt for black men. That video wasn't inspired out of some genuine desire to see the black community improve collectively. This is someone who is hell-bent on carrying out the ideology of their white counterparts for the purpose of maintaining their access to white people. This was evidenced by the fact that she said that Dr. Wilson wrote the ISIS papers to depict that the basis for white supremacy was genetic annihilation of, quote, some people. Yeah, some people. Yeah, what she meant to say was the genetic annihilation of white people. What she didn't want to say so that she wouldn't upset her white audience is that the whole reason systematic racism exists boils down to this. If a black man or woman has a baby with a white person, it's an empirical fact their offspring will come out black, being that the melanin gene is dominant. And she provides clear example after example in the book of symbolic common social practices that bear out this subconscious fear of genetic annihilation. This was the inspiration behind the miscegenation laws. This was the whole reason they removed the black male's genitals after they were lynched. And this was why segregation was created. Yes, segregation because there'll never be an instance of a black man or woman ever being sexually active with a white man or woman if they don't live in the same neighborhoods, right? Why do you think that it is that there's such a push for gentrification in all the major cities in America? That's called segregation without the no colors allowed signs. Now I know this piece of trash didn't read the ISIS papers and like the character Remy said in the movie Ratatouille, you could fill a book with the things dad doesn't know. And they have, which is why I read. I happen to both own and to have actually read the book in its entirety before I formulated an opinion about Dr. Francis Quest Welsing's theory, and I actually can quote something from it unlike this dingbat that shows that she actually did have a genuine desire, unlike this dimwit, to see black men and women and children improve their position in life. Quote, stabilized union between the black male and the black female means the eventual end to white supremacy. When the black male and black female simply define their joint struggle in terms of achieving education, housing, jobs, and money, rather than as specifically countering the global and local dynamic for white genetic survival, white supremacy, we are attempting to function with the wrong game manual and with all the wrong rules. While we have remained confused, the global and local white collective consciously and or unconsciously have mastered white genetic survival strategies in all areas of life. Thus, we as black people are checkmated continuously by the local and global white collective. We are the victims of white supremacy who spend most of our time squabbling, struggling, and fighting with one another. Thus, matters go from bad to worse, especially in such critical areas as the black male slash black female relationship, the very foundation of the black nation. She talks about black men and black women working together against the oppressor class as a team and as a family unit. She speaks nothing of reducing black women to mere incubators. She talks about empowering all of black society, not just black women. 
She understood that black men have never oppressed black women as a group, and she understood the narrative that black men somehow being comparable to white men when it comes to oppressing women would be used to drive a wedge between us. The moron who made this video fell for it. She predicted many things in this book with frightening accuracy, and that was one of many. She already let us know the game back in the 80s, so we saw this white supremacist playbook coming long before it got here. We knew it was coming, and therefore we already had the intellectual firepower to disprove it. It was black men who stood up for Sandra Bland when police murdered her. Now, gee, I didn't see any feminist groups coming to her defense when that happened. There were no condemnations of the white men who murdered her as being promoters of male patriarchy. I didn't see this same kind of energy when Breonna Taylor was murdered in her home either. By the way, when they murdered her, she was completely naked. Completely naked and defenseless. I didn't see any feminist groups digging into the backgrounds of these racist cops, judges, and DAs who were responsible for murdering her while she slept. Now, it was a black man, her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, who shot back at the police and who put his life on the line to defend her. Now, exactly what part of that is patriarchal? There were all these feminist groups who had all the smoke in the world for Cosby, who was pretty much found innocent in the end, and R. Kelly, but I did not see any TikTok videos from the likes of this anti-black racist and blackface going after these media execs, CEOs, and producers like Roger Ailes over at Fox, who allegedly sexually abused Laura Inger for two decades, or Les Moonves over at CDS, or Roman Polanski, or filmmaker Woody Allen, who married his own adopted daughter for crying out loud. Talk about ick. White actress Alison Mack had a whole sex trafficking ring going on where she was literally branding women and recruiting them for her boyfriend and NXVIM cult leader, Keith Rainier. And I didn't see any videos of her being demonized and vilified as aiding and abetting patriarchal white men. Now, I, however, was calling her behind out for that back in 2019, and I wanted to know when she was going to start getting that R. Kelly slash Bill Cosme treatment in the media. After all, it's about protecting all women, right? I, as a black man, was busy exposing the mistreatment and subjugation of all women four years ago. Where was this black man-hating mammy then to do the same thing? They didn't make posts nor upload videos condemning the likes of Allison Mack for directly abusing other women. But there's all in the smoke in the world for Dr. Francis Quest Welsing, who actually sought to defend and protect all black people, including black women. Heck, he had Brother Flex, another black man who was calling out Jeffrey Epstein before he was a household name. It's been black men who have been the primary group standing up for and defending black women and women in general. It's because of morally bankrupt, self-hating individuals like this that all these white men in positions of power don't get the spotlight put on them because you got idiots out here constantly putting the focus back on black men, the demographic who has consistently backed and acted in favor in the protection of black women. By the way, on a side note, have you ever noticed or ever seen any other race of women going in on their men like this? When have you ever seen a white feminist railing against a white man who practiced misogyny against a black woman? I'll wait. Yet you have people like Tarana Burke, a black woman, saying, it's not my job to go after white men. Shouldn't it be your job to go after all men who mistreat women? And why didn't you see the likes of her tasking white women and holding them to the expectation that they should go after their men first before they go after black men? Family, you don't ever let anyone disrespect your icons, even if the one doing it looks like you. How dare this piece of crap who doesn't give a damn about black men or black women fix her mouth to say anything about our esteemed and illustrious queen mother. She's been a lighthouse to many in the black collective who were born into a raging category five hurricane and who are trying their best to navigate their way through the chaos. 
this anti-black, self-hating, sad sack is speaking against the woman who literally saved my life at one point and who saved the lives of countless other black people with her tireless labor of love. That's far more than she'll ever hope to accomplish with her pathetic existence. This woman had the sheer courage to literally go before a crowd of angry white racists on the Donahue show back in the 90s, a couple of times for that matter, and was unapologetic and eloquent in breaking down the very subconscious nature of the very unfounded bigotry they didn't want to cop up to. That takes guts, integrity, and real strength. That's someone who has genuine love for their people, so much so that they're willing to put it all on the line even if it costs them everything. I remember Dr. Welsing saying in an interview that she was approached by some feminists at one point in her career in academia, and they wanted her to join the feminist movement. She said that when she refused to go in on black men like they wanted, they begin to vilify and discredit her. It's the same slander tactic Frances Willard and Lady Somerset, who were leaders of the suffrage movement, did to Ida B. Wells when she refused to tell the feminist line. That's a black woman who had enough self-dignity and respect to not sell her soul, nor the well-being of her people, just to get in the good graces of white folk. In the 1800s, Ida B. Wells, a personal black favorite heroine of mine, went all the way to England to expose the hypocrisy of America and to expose the suffrage movement, a.k.a. the feminist movement during that time, of not giving a damn about black people's best interests, despite their front. There's an article by NPR entitled How Racism Tainted Women's Suffrage that goes in depth about that one. Take the time to read it for yourselves instead of jumping to conclusions like certain people do. Dr. Welsing understood. Our biggest problem as a community isn't sexism. It isn't homophobia, transphobia, or xenophobia, or any type of damnphobia. Our biggest problem is systematic anti-black racism, a.k.a. white supremacy. If we topple and abolish it, that solves all, A-L-L, of our problems. It's every black person's job to defend our advocates, adamantly and ferociously, if for nothing else so that the people who are considering becoming our advocates in politics, law, education, economics, and labor, etc., will know that they'll be protected by the very people they're doing the bidding of. Literally all groups do this for their advocates, and it's time for us to adopt the same practice. Dr. Francis Quest Welsing is like a mother figure to me, and I don't know about you, family, but anyone who says anything about her or any of our master teachers that I revere is getting all this work, every single time, without fail or exception. Majestic and hollow ancestors like her are off-limits. She waged war against white supremacy and put her life on the line to do so. She didn't help white supremacy a day in her life, unlike this idiot who made this video claims. The person who made this video does help white supremacy because she parrots the very talking points of the dominant society, protecting and upholding the reputation of her and all the tightness black foremothers and forefathers that came before me is the very least I could do in an attempt to at least try and repay the real black women who were willing to sacrifice it all just for me and for those who look like me to ever have a chance of living free. One love and one justice, the Stormy Poet.